Welcome. You're listening to the Think Like an Entrepreneur podcast because it turns out there's no such thing as a struggling entrepreneur. There are only business owners still operating from an employee mindset. I'm your host, business coach Katherine Morrison. Now let's dig in. All right, you guys. How are you doing? If you are a longtime listener of the podcast, you know I pretty much only bring on guests who are my current clients crushing it in the mastermind. But today, we are making an exception for someone truly exceptional. Kevin Venardos is the owner of Venardos Circus, and I became aware of him last year when my family went to go see his circus. He mentioned at the time that he had been a ringmaster at Ringling Brothers. You know, the greatest show on earth, and I believe the largest circus on earth, And I sort of idly thought it would be super interesting to have him on the show, but you know, life happens. And fast forward to this year, and my husband texted me to let me know that this Venardo Circus was coming back to town, so he had bought our family tickets to go. And then I remembered how inspiring Kevin Venardos is. And as I was sitting in his circus tent this time, I just started noticing how well thought out every single detail was. I really tuned in to how genuine and passionate his energy is. And then it got me thinking about how this man took a fairly new business, a circus that very much relies on in-person events to perform. And he found a way to come through it and to be back in 2021 to booking sold out tents full of people in cities all over the country. Now you guys, running a circus might seem very far away from what it is that you're doing but I promise you it's not. This episode today is jam packed with goodness. You are in for an hour that is basically the greatest showman in real life. As I talked with Kevin, I was on the edge of my seat. I was on the verge of tears multiple times during the interview. And you can so clearly see that he was born to be a ringmaster, to use his voice to carry a message. And that message that he ends every single one of his shows with and you will see threaded through the entire episode today, is to live your dreams. To learn how to recognize the potential in you and in the world and to leverage that ability to create the seemingly impossible. We cover his employee to entrepreneur transition. We talk about how he thought about and moved a company through a worldwide pandemic. And make sure to stay until the end because we dive into a really fascinating conversation around showmanship. And as he talks about his job as the ringmaster, I want you to remember that as the person marketing and selling your own business, you are literally the ringmaster presenting your own act, which is your offer. And today you have the honor of listening to someone who was that person for, I think he said it was like 35 million people during his tenure at Ringling. This man is literally one of the greatest showmen on earth, and he knows a thing or two about the way you package and essentially sell things to an audience. And this episode is longer than most of my interviews because Kevin was just so interesting and we couldn't stop talking. And I thought about editing out a few parts here and there, but then when I looked at it, every single segment I considered editing had a really powerful nugget that would have to come out with it. So listen. Go get yourself a cup of tea or a glass of wine and snuggle in. You don't want to miss one minute of today's interview. Now, without further ado, let's dive into my interview with the world's greatest showman in real life, Mr. Kevin Venardos. Kevin Venardos, welcome to the show. 
Hi, Catherine. So we are having a round two for the audience. Kevin and I tried to do this a little bit ago, and there was Kevin is he owns his own circus. We're going to talk all about it today, but there was a little bit of a Wi-Fi thing. And so we're doing round two and it's going to be amazing. And we're going to start at the top right now. Kevin, are you ready to tell us your epic employee to entrepreneur story? Uh, no pressure. Yes, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm as ready as I am. And, and uh, I, I believe that that will bring us to where we need to be. Yeah, for sure. So I know I know that you were a ringmaster at Ringling Brothers and you worked at a couple other places. Can you just walk us through like I don't know where where you started to now, your story? Sure. I had a musical theater degree from Ithaca College when I graduated um years ago and I was in New York trying to be on Broadway. That was where it started. And auditioning for everything that anyone had a promise of some sort of remuneration for uh, all kinds of things. Um, uh, but I, I took jobs doing absolutely anything that would help pay the bills. I was living in a fifth floor walk up in Long Island City. And, and uh, basically, uh, it was an open call audition, uh, as innocuous as I guess, uh, hundreds of others that I went on. But this one I actually landed. It was a big production show, traveling show. Uh, in fact, it was the greatest show on earth. And when I was 22, uh, for some reason, they thought that I was the right person for the job. I'm sure at least part of it is because I fit the clothes of the guy who was going out at that time. And I was a singer. So I landed that job and it ended up being a truly transformative experience. And I went to school to learn to pretend to be like other people as an actor. That the circus, uh, there's something different about it. We are performers, but you are who you are. Perhaps uh, it is an extraordinary circumstance, and there, at least at that time, there were, you know, elephants and floats and, you know, um, 23 Brazilian dancing girls. And <laughs> I, I had a fantastic adventure meeting these people and traveling this entirely different lifestyle, living on the road. Uh, but the part about being myself in that environment, I'm I'm certain it, it's a journey that I am still on, always will be on, trying to be be right with myself, to be comfortable in my skin, to be willing to be who I am fully, and not feeling like I need to try and be something different. <clears throat> but I definitely felt that the the world of the circus it fit. And I was better at being myself, albeit a version in rhinestones, than I think I ever felt as far as comfort uh, trying to be someone else in a play or musical. So that's where it started. And five years of that, I performed, uh, I did the math in front of a little more than 35 million people, which is an extraordinary number. Um, I, I, I mentioned before about being, if you were a Broadway performer and you had yeah. uh, gotten a show when you're 18 and you perform till you're 65 years old with full houses, you would never come anywhere close to connecting with that many people. And also, uh, this is not just a New York gig. This was 95 cities all across the lower 48, which, which meant that there was a tremendous diversity of people in the audience and also the experience of being in these places, doing publicity, interacting with people on the ground. Um, just getting a feel for how people across this very broad land feel about things and think about things. 
And uh, there was a, it was definitely a, an experience that transformed the trajectory of where it was meant to be. Uh, totally, totally changed. Yeah. And then, so, and then from there, I know it sounds like you worked at a couple other circuses, but like, yes. let's just, I want to get to the part, there was something in you and you were like, I want to start my own circus. Can we like zoom to that chapter of Kevin's life? Sure. Um, after working for a couple of different companies, I, I was realizing that there were only so many circuses out there and uh, even fewer still that would let me do things that, in a way that I, I really wanted to. I love the Broadway aspect of it, the way we use in, uh, in the Venardo Circus. Now, these musical numbers are sort of the anchor points that we hang the whole show on. And uh, so <laughs> I, I started out by making a one minute and 16 second video. Uh, of a circus that <clears throat> I did not own. Uh, all of the stuff in there was rented. Many of the performers in it were friends uh, doing a favor for Kevin. And I used that little musical number uh, shot inside of a 120 degree tent in Riverside, California um, to pitch the idea of this circus to people who might buy it. Events, um, fairs, festivals, First, first thing I got out of that was uh, the L.A. County Fair in Pomona, California, back in 2014. And that the journey from leaving Circus Vargas and, uh, you know, the contract came to a conclusion, naturally. Um, but there was no real next thing on the horizon. It was diving into a really unknown world. I felt like I know the circus and I have friends around, but it, it's definitely a very different thing being an employee versus uh, taking on the responsibility of uh, producing something and all the minutiae of things that go with it. The, the advantage of getting my feet wet with fairs or festivals, events first, was actually that I got to I got to do the the producing or the the production side without having to worry about the marketing side. I mean, there are plenty of worries, and all of it was on a on an extreme shoestring. I when I finished Vargas, there was a period of well, that was two thousand and uh, I guess early two thousand thirteen, end of two thousand twelve as I finished December. So those two years in between. Uh, I had a truck and a trailer that I had lived on in Vargas. And by the time we got to uh, having landed that job with the county fair, I had sold most of the worldly possessions that I had inside that trailer and then the trailer. And then there was a period in there where I was living in the truck and uh, couch surfing. This is years after being the ringmaster of the greatest show on earth. And... Mm -hmm. And after also uh, a failed marriage, a bankruptcy, uh, I had purchased a house in Las Vegas. Within, within two years, it was worth less than half of what I bought it for. So it was, it was in that world of um, terrible credit, of um, hopelessness, if you will, that I did decide to embark on the adventure of making a circus. Um, I didn't start out with the, the producing thought that I was going to turn it into a national tour right away. It was initially just for events, but I would pitch things to different people who would ask me for a proposal and I would spend a great deal of time with the artwork and all of the details. And then I would get a no. 
And uh, there were enough no's that I, I eventually said, but this is a cool circus. And I'll bet that there's some people out there would like to go and, and see it. So that part of me that I recall from those bullies in school when I would, was growing up, the ones who stuck a big wad of purple gum in my hair, kicked me in the dirt. And at that time, I processed those things as a victim. Something happened along the way where something snapped inside. I can't point to the exact time, but I think that maybe it was always my, my makeup. I just hadn't been pushed far enough. And I got pushed far enough at this time where I said, I'm going to find a way to do it anyway whether or not you think it's good enough. So I'm actually incredibly grateful for all of those situations, uh, people that seem to indicate no, whether, whether by a direct, no, you're not getting this job, or uh, it just didn't seem to be conducive to making it work. Uh, and a lot of that that I perceived as a bully, now in the long term, I see it was the way that I was perceiving it. Uh, but time moved forward, and well, here we are today. And uh, stick to itiveness, or some sort of thing inside me. <clears throat> I think that the, I think one of the reasons why I've made it through now a pandemic, also with uh, the show, which is we're here in Huntsville right now with a two-week engagement, and we're going to do forty-six weeks for this next calendar year. Uh, in 25 different cities all across the country. Um, it, it is because of those no's. It's because of those negatives. Uh, and because I really believe that what I'm doing is important and not just for my own sake. Uh, it is now not just my dream and my desire to work. In fact, less and less, my joy, biggest joy comes not from performing, but from standing at the back of the house and looking at these people and their families enjoying this experience and also seeing all the artists who are gainfully employed and all the money that we are bringing to local businesses when we put the circus there in their community. Uh, all of these things are resonating out <laughs> because we held on to something that we believe in, that, that there's a reason why uh, Joy is important. I think actually the biggest message the circus delivers is we show people a living, breathing example of what happens when you learn to work together with a diverse group of people, look different, speak different languages, have very different points of view on matters. But we've all decided that we're going to deliver this show because this is this is our job. This is our passion. And uh, not succeeding at it is, is just not an option. So, yeah. so there. Well, I think I've, I've like even got the sense and, you know, we talked about this before the podcast started, like there's something in you that it's like failure is not an option. And I kind of want to go back because I know you talked about it's like out of this hopelessness came, right? Like this bankruptcy, all of these things happened and it was like something snapped inside of you. But like it wasn't out of hopelessness, right? It might have been like anyone who looked at those circumstances, it looked very hopeless, but there was something different inside of you. And I'm curious at that time, because now you're saying like, I feel very like what motivates me is the mission and what motivates me is like looking at, you know, what's happening in the audience. But I'm just curious if you can go back, can you, can you like access that Kevin that like at that time at the very beginning, like 
it seemed like if one was to look, there was like no hope, but there was something inside of him that was like, I don't know. What was it? Was it like I was made for the more than this? Was it that like the circus felt like this calling you couldn't resist? Like, what was it? I didn't, I didn't pick out the circus. Uh, I, it was one of many auditions. It wasn't like uh, this thing that I had wanted to do since I was a little kid. I had zero connection with it. I don't come from a circus family. My dad is a, was a TV producer actually from a very different time television. Um, I definitely, I definitely recall the experience of being in the Ringling circus. And uh, if you recall back, this was 2000 to 2005 were my years there. So I experienced standing next to the circus train uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. I was in costume and waiting to go out on a PR event when somebody yelled outside the train and said, Hey, look, what's going on TV. And the, the twin towers were, had been hit by a couple of planes. And in the weeks and months and years that followed a circus has always actually done well in wartime. Uh, in fact, I think Ringling was given special dispensation to get the rails, get use the rail lines and rubber and other things that were not accessible to other businesses because the American government, whether whether it was just a PR stunt or or whatever, but I, I think that I believe it that when we get to to share space with one another, um, we reminded that we actually have a lot more in common than uh, what separates us. So I really think it's a very helpful and um, essential essential thing if we have some kind of identity nationalism has been run through the mud uh, by everything that's unfolded these last years and maybe this is all stuff uh i know those are broad uh, broad uh, concepts and this is a very specific thing this circus story here but all of my experiences happened in that petri dish yeah. And um, I remember riding on the lead elephant going across 34th Street because they would ride or walk the elephants from Long Island City, where I later ended up, uh, or actually some years before I, I lived in an apartment. Uh, and I, I was riding this elephant across uh, town while there were orange alerts in the air and the NYPD was in front and behind either side of us. Still, the streets were lined with parents with kids on their shoulders. And so to, to be in that environment just uh, as an observer i know i was just a little paid actor at the time i had absolutely no concept of how grateful i should have been of all the people whose shoulders i was resting on to to be there and to experience that thing at that at that time i learned a lot more later as i tried to start producing things on my own but feeling like there is something i should be doing with this time on the earth and I only have so much time being in touch with that and knowing that I'm going to be dead one day uh, to steal uh, uh, Steve Jobs words. I know he's often quoted like that. And I think his story is extraordinary too. Um, I have to work. I'm actually, uh, I don't want to get derailed from this point, but I, I live and work with one of the things that makes me very different than him is that uh, I'm performing in the ring with these people. In addition to that, I'm also the guy signing checks and uh, making business decisions, um, managing things. So I know that the people who come up and uh, uh, see the tent, approach the tent, give their ticket to the ticket taker, who's also a performer, are taken to their seat by an usher, who's also a performer, uh, are, are served concessions uh, by this small team of people. And we need to feel great about each other, about what we're doing. 
We need to feel supported because when that happens, the people who come and experience our event, they feel that too. They feel they are part of that. If we were all having a terrible day and we let that energy uh, dump out on people, uh, no matter how brilliant we are on the stage, it, this is very intimate. This is very personal. It's very, very much about community, which is uh, something I felt a camaraderie with uh, on, on Ringling too. Um, but each of these, I think the greatest part of America is uh, it's it communities. It's really just a collection of communities. Yes, we have amazing distribution uh, and we have a, what our economy, we, whatever you would talk about that stuff, but it really is just communities. And if one at a time we are serving them and I make a commitment to, I know we're not going to visit these same cities every year. It's going to be a thing where the tour will evolve, but eventually I think we're going to lock in certain cities. We're going to go back to them every year. And my real dream is that 25 years from now or however long I'm allowed to stay on this earth, that all those kids who we uh, brought into the tent, um, that they are coming back with their families, whatever shape and size they might be in at that time, single people, friends, families, kids, but that this keeps going and allowing uh, circus has a lot of tradition, but I think doing things the way we've always done them, just because that's the way we've always done them is a terrible reason to do anything. I think traditions need to be built with a, with a purpose and that we must stay in touch with what that purpose is. And, and it's great to be able to celebrate them annually that they become part of the, well, the tradition in the sense of this at the Christmas time, we're always in St. Augustine, Florida. And so people think of that time and, and go to do that, that event. But um, I think I've jumped all over the place on your question right now. So, I love uh, it. I mean, I just, I feel like we're, we're always going to get where we need to go, but I'm just <laughs> like, I feel like we're learning about the circus. I also feel like yeah, one of the it. things I pinned as you were talking, because I'm a mindset coach. So I'm always looking at when people are successful, like what is it that's helping them to be successful? And just the way I know that you're like, I just went all over the place, but like every person listening to this podcast can hear what was just coming, like just the tenor of everything coming through in your voice about how passionate you are, not just about your mission and what the circus represents, but that you have this longer vision. And so I'm curious, like, is that because going back a little bit ago, you're like, I was getting no's all over the place. And like, I had to let the no's make me stronger, but like, what did you focus on? Was it the longer term vision? Like, how do you get through all the no's? The right now, nobody can fire me. I suppose a community can fire me. That would be, a, I think, a slower burn than just having someone say, you're out of my operation. See, you have the right to be here and you have something unique that no one else can provide, unique to offer. And I think that if you... Uh, <laughs> I've always dealt with, I talked about bullies before, uh, the notion that I wasn't good enough or wanting to be liked, wanting the affirmation and approval of others as a young person. Now that we've transformed this idea into a, <clears throat> an operation, uh, how did I get there? I think that, I think a big part of it is, is, there's something inside that that's that believed that 
I have something to say that um, I'm, I'm struggling to put words to it, honestly, because I don't really know sometimes when I look back why I kept going, but <laughs> each, each little step definitely provided some kind of affirmation, just getting out there, even if it was really sloppy. Uh, when I was able to actually see firsthand that something that I organized, however flawed it may, may have been, uh, was uh, was getting in front of people and, and, and uh, eliciting a smile. I get such instant gratification at the circus when you're actually able to put something physically in front of people. You know, we, we even now, we, we, much of the decisions, it's easy to make decisions based on just what you're seeing in your newsfeed or what we're getting over Zoom calls, stuff like that. But being on the ground with the people that you are actually serving, um, many businesses, I realize, operate online now. Uh, and so there are perhaps different ways. We write comments, we share reviews, and you get to see feedback in that way. But for me, perhaps the uniquely analog part of this experience and and how by very small steps first uh, you know working for other people uh in fact that the reason that, that i kept getting jobs with other i don't know it started as a green crayon when i was uh, in second grade in a school pageant performing <clears throat> being in front of people being with people sharing a space with people and actually looking at the what they're reacting to what they're enjoying and and uh i want to give people a joyful experience i want to take them away from their troubles for a little while so i did that first as a performer but uh, and i'm sure i carried those experiences forward when i started trying to do it on my own i remember i i've been here on this stage before i'm paying for it now uh and so there's more stress and pressure and it's it's harder to keep in touch with um a, a balance because I don't want to uh, snap and get angry at a performer. They don't know that uh, I have insurance payments to make or uh, this guy is hounding me about this payment for, for whatever it is. Uh, I think this is one of those moments I feel, I feel kind of stumped and derailed. I think I just keep getting up again. I wanted to do it, and so I just kept going. I, I think the... Ask another question. No, another I mean, I, I just love something. <laughs> but I think it is that, right? It's I hope you're editing this. that okay. like, no matter how many times I fall down, I'm just going to keep getting up. And I think that was like, it, I've seen your circus perform two times. I have three small children. So we went last year and it was like at the start of the pandemic and I think like, it, it's so fun to see your social media now. It's like sold out like on, on your Instagram all the time. But I think we happened to attend a performance where the tent was like not very full. And I, like, I was at a point in my business where I think a lot of people were scared. The pandemic had sort of just, I don't know, like, it, like people were staying home. People weren't sure what to do. And like, I had just sort of like that part of you that you activated that you were like, failure is not an option. Like that had just activated in me. And then for me to go from there and then sit in the audience at your circus, like I saw it in you. Right. Like I could identify that there was like something happening and I could tell it wasn't like it, all roses. Like I remember you saying like things had just really seemed like they were starting to take off and then the pandemic hit and like 
you know, so it took so much to get off the ground. And then it seemed like things were like, you know, that the tent was finally like it's starting to fill sold out shows. And then the pandemic hits. I'm curious for you. Was it like, can we talk about that point in time? Like when the pandemic first hit, because I mean, as a circus, like that's an in-person thing. Like there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are a lot of businesses that sort of were just like, well, we can't do it. It's too hard. And like, just sort of threw their hands up in the air, but there was something else in you. And I think it's like everything we've just covered, but like, what was that experience like for you guys? 2020 there, mid-March, <clears throat> I, I welcomed my first child on Friday, the 13th of March. This is, I guess, a week before we had to shut down everything. The show was in Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah, that's where we were. And um, we didn't know where to go next. I had a cast of people who were all signed up for most of them for a whole year. We were only a, a month into the contract. Um, I, I, I had a semi-trailer of stuff. That all of their families, I didn't know what to do. So we just went to the next venue where we were supposed to play. Uh, and they were incredibly generous and they opened their arms. I'm sure they thought it was only going to be for a couple of weeks. It ended up being uh, almost six months that we, we were at this tiny place called the Dry Creek Social Club in Richmond, Texas. And we didn't end up opening. But after a, a month of just, you know, trying to hold it together, we did the best thing we thought we could do, which was to, to do a live stream, you know, People were starting out trying to do that, of course. Pivot, if you hear that one more time. Because um, uh, we're a live event, you know. Yeah. I did it and I see that there is potential and uh, it's a revenue stream that could actually function in this place where we were not permitted to have live people at an event. Uh, so we did that one. And fortunately, because of the banner year, the 2019 was a huge year for us. Um, 2018, we did, I don't know, maybe 10, 14 weeks of touring. Uh, that was actually, we did a one-off event in July in Tacoma, and it was the first time we really sold tickets like on fire. We, we packed a tent for three weeks, and uh, it had been so piecemeal up to that time. All those long spaces between uh, engagements is, is you still have debts to pay, and you're not making any revenue at all. So I knew that you got to stack them together. You've got to keep going if you're going to have any kind of margin at all. Yeah. The cost of bringing people in, uh, creating a new thing with a whole new group of people every single time is, and, and the mental stress is, so I said, we've got to keep this going. So 2018, we've, we, we did Tacoma. Two months later, I put a whole new cast together and we got out on the road and we did the rest of the year. And then we pummeled into 2019 and we, we brought, you know, this is a tent that seats 300 50 people. We brought well over a hundred thousand people into the tent for us in 2019. That's after in 2018 was, you know, like maybe not even 5%. Hardly. It feels like that. I, yeah. I don't know the exact number at the moment, but it was such an extraordinary time. And there was so much momentum behind it. Uh, and we were, we were still not like flush. We still had large expenditures or, or, um, you know, pieces of equipment that were financed. So we're paying things down. We're also learning about ad spend and, and all of those things, trying to get that into balance. 
So we were still, we had momentum and it was a good feeling going into 2020, like this is going to be our best year yet. And then literally the tap got, got, got turned off like in an instant. All of our performers, I mean, everyone on, at the company, minus myself, is an independent contractor. Um, I look at us as working together, not anyone working for me or for the circus. I really want a culture. People think that way. That means finding the right people for whom I can provide value that truly is something that is serving or that is valuable to those people. It's not just about money. That is a very important part, but many other parts of the experience and what the artist wants to do in life long-term. So when we stopped in 2020, we were able to, you know, I did the best I could by everybody. We got the, everybody got, uh, you know, a couple of weeks extra pay, but basically we had to shut everything down. Um, there was a skeleton crew. I, I said, anyone who wants to stay here with me, uh, at the, because the circus needs to put its stuff somewhere and I needed to live somewhere with my very, very small family. Um, so I had a handful of people that actually stuck with me and lived over the course of the next year in various, uh, places across the U S as we just fumbled our way along. We, we tried to stay in touch with the people that we had touched the communities that we had been in front of over the course of 2019. And thanks to social media, that was a conversation that we could, were able to keep going to stay in touch with those people, people who were fighting for us because we were there for them uh, that year before and that time before. And so um, the first uh, live stream technically was an absolute disaster, but people still, were donating they were uh buying tickets while the show was going on after the show had finished we gave them a recording of the thing and this was i guess pardon me that was april no it was may was the first one we did and uh so then i promised myself we're going to do one of these live streams every month until uh, until i can't do any more of them or until we're out of this mess and so that's what we did uh and so in various places uh, for protracted periods. We were in Richmond, Virginia, uh, uh, Texas for six months. Like I said, then we went up, couldn't stand the humidity anymore. We went up to Oregon for what ended up being another, I think six months. Also during that time, we, we, you know, remember October in 2020, things were looking good again. We opened the whole show up again. We had live streams. We had, uh, Google bought several of our live stream events, oh, nice. uh, like a buyout of a show. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the same way that as if we were bringing the whole physical show to them, so which good. was, you know, tech companies, they continue to have tremendous resources during this time. So that was another huge benison to us. And then we had for that short time in October and until middle November, when the narrative completely changed and everything uh, closed down again yeah. in fear of and preparation for the holidays. So this up and down the the live streams provided some consistent revenue is very small but we were able to pull ourselves and our expenses into a shell uh and just try and get through those times continuing to stay in touch with people yeah. uh i know that i definitely moved money from personal accounts into business accounts to make sure things moved smoothly and my comfort level with balances was uh was in a place that I felt was responsible because no matter what, as long as I have air in my lungs, the circus is going to get down the road. And that is just the deal. Yeah. And 
And so here we are, and it's 2021, and I have now two baby girls. One of them is four weeks old, oh and another goodness. one is 18, 18 months old. Yes, Andy Lane and Billy May, and they are absolutely gorgeous. And the time I got to spend with them, you know, I, I talk in the show about my relationship with my dad, who was uh, a true hero to me. The, the times we actually, we used to build model trains together. I, um, and then I lived on a train at Ringling. So it, dad, dad's hobby and dad's dream and uh, his boyish love that he had into adulthood of building trains was something that I then, because I followed my star, I was able to give him some experiences of traveling around on the, on the circus train, which he absolutely, he was just head over heels about, um, my family and his family was always the most important thing in his universe. And uh, there was a long time as being an artist, I'm like, there's no way I can, if I can't feed myself, how am I going to expect to feed a family? But then I've followed this and, and just let my heart be the guide here, trying to keep a business sense and surround myself with people who are smarter than me. There are many of them. Um, I think that the pandemic actually was a time where I really connected with those small people and sort of galvanized the fact that I intend with every fiber of my being to be there for them. And the circus is the means to an end to, to uh, love my family to do, I mean, that, that extends beyond my, my little girls, but this larger community uh, and then not just the circus, but the places that we play, the, these, these towns, that there's something that good that we're doing. Uh, I think maybe all of the, the rhetoric and the anger and the lack of compassion, uh, there's so many good people out there, but I think that uh, uh, he who has the microphone, he or she, not pointing to the administration pasts, necessarily but uh you can if you uh, want <laughs> well <laughs> anyways uh this uh, the circus is decidedly apolitical and it's actually interesting that that moment just happened between us because people who see things very differently than i do are often still some of the hardest working yeah. teammates i have absolutely no uh requirements on the show for someone's politics you can see things However you see them, all I ask is that you work your ass off, that you give everything you have to, to ensure the success of the circus, no matter what kind of circumstance we, we may encounter, and that we treat each other with respect along the way. And uh, seeing how so many people, particularly ones that uh, see things differently uh, in, in an ideal sense, uh, they have often been some of the most creative, most supportive, most productive people who are here on the show. And I think that communities are are the same way. So when we hold too hard to a line um, about, you know, we feel passionately about things as business people uh, in our careers, et cetera. But uh, I seek not to be right, but I seek to do good. And I really see in my heart that building bridges is far more helpful in that endeavor than trying to burn them. Uh, I think that I wish to be defined and, and I think by, by the good we do and uh, not, you know, my why 
is, I hope that people is evident in this experience that, that they see and can see firsthand. I think it goes to something that I saw a long time ago that said, uh, don't tell people your dreams, show them. And that's uh, when I'm able to put this circus and its message about working together with a diversity of people in front of a diversity of people, instead of just a line of rhetoric, it is a, I think, uh, I think that we are able to, people are able to let their, uh, their hardness and their shell down a bit after laughing and being amazed at something, looking to their left and right and seeing families uh, who may be different on some level than them, but that, that they're sharing it together yeah. and that this is literally your community, folks, right and left. Maybe not, they're not the people that you hang out with at your coffee shop, or, but they are part of what makes your job and your community and all the things that, that happen there possible. So I, I believe what we do is important, essential, perhaps especially so because of all of the, uh, like I said, the things that I've seen in America and how, how um, we've ratcheted up our Armor. divisiveness. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, actually. I like mentioned on a podcast recently that I feel like, because with coaching, it's like all about perspective, right? Like sh- like the way that you're thinking, setting your mind to things. And one of the things that I mentioned as I've watched really exceptional comedians is that they do this, right? Like they're what they're not just like saying whatever, like they, they get you into a joke. And when your energy, when your energy raises, you're open to a different perspective. And so I like you, I don't know if you noticed that you said it, but you just described that exact thing. You were like, their shell comes down when people are laughing, when they're in the audience, and then they open up to a different perspective. And I feel like one of the things that definitely comes through in your show is not just working together with people, but it is also like, I can't remember exactly. You you could probably do it for us in your showman voice, but like that <laughs> I hope that you see in us like what is possible and limitless in you. Yes. Can you do that? Yes. Can, you, can you do the line right uh, now? That, that's, sure, the line is, uh, I hope that you can see in us uh, that which is possible and limitless in you, that if you follow your dreams, that if you don't give up when the going gets tough, and if you learn to work together with your family and your community, that you can change the world for the better. And the world is desperately depending on you so don't let it down. And a sense of, a, that's where the speech ends, but I believe a sense of responsibility. When you have a family, you, you, you have a sense of responsibility because it's not just you out there. You know, I feel like my own personal life is it's so small and insignificant compared, compared to, you know, these other people, uh, especially now. Thank goodness I made it past all the ego-driven Maybe I haven't made it past all of them yet. I don't know. I probably will be dealing with that forever. You need to have some ego to exist in the world of business and the world of the theater, et cetera. But I I think that uh, staying in touch with the notion that we're there to serve, uh, you know, I'm not a religious person. I think God is love. That's the extent of my like feelings about God. I think that uh, there is a reason that we're here on, on this earth. He's looking at the blue dot, you know, these are often mentioned, but 
it's so essential to stay in touch with how delicate and miraculous it is that we exist in the first place. The notion that uh, there could be none of this, um, that we need to use it to do something good this time we've been given. Everyone, I think, has a different way of getting in touch with that. And whatever you need to do to, to, to find that connection that should be nurtured, the tiniest spark that you feel that makes you uh, engage on that level, I think that's a, a fire that should be fanned every chance you get. Because truly, it's finite the time that we have here. And so the more that every single moment, every waking moment can be spent somehow in that endeavor, the, the notion that it's possible that it could all end in a moment, it's essential to know that and stay in touch with that so that you take advantage of this myriad opportunities. Every single person, oh boy, boy, that, what's there's this uh, video, you got to see gratitude. There's a... Uh, it's, there's like a million views on it on YouTube. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you later and find it, find the link. But the notion that uh, this day is just another day is false. It is today. It is the one day that we have been given. And uh, to greet it with anything less than gratitude would be uh, missing a major opportunity. When you, I think, approach the day and... Just, you know, we, we pass each other on the street and uh, in New York, I think probably a, a judge will convict you guilty if you have actually purposefully made eye contact with another human that you pass on the street. <laughs> I've lived in that world, but uh, even if it's a little bit painful and difficult sometimes, I don't mean getting pushed around, but to, to let your presence and your smile be a blessing to other people. I think that uh, it does two things. It, uh, it, it sends that message of joy out to their life, and you never know how that's going to echo and bounce back for them. Uh, but I think that it, uh, all of your dream and your vision and your, and your purpose, it becomes clearer, and also you become less a part of the, the why, and it becomes much more about others. If you are serving others with your dream, with your product, with your service, uh, the world uh, needs it. Like that, uh, the Dr. Seuss, uh, do what you say and what's well, uh, how you feel. Uh, those who mind don't matter, those who matter don't mind. The, already half of the world's 8 billion uh, person population loves you and what you do just as it is. You don't need to change that. You just need to make it through enough fires and, and keep that sense of confidence deep inside that those other people need to hear what you have to say. Um, your unique challenges have prepared you in a way that no one else can offer to undo their doubt or their fear. And I promise you, if you are there to, to offer that, with the simplest thing like a, a smile, adjusting your focus from yourself to others. Yes, you have goals, financial, um, personal, the structure of your, your company or the, the style of your, your product. 
but if the things that you do are meant to serve others, there is so much business to be done. There is limitless, limitless opportunity. And so I would encourage anyone who's listening here to take that that has uh, been a bit of wisdom that has come through a lot of hell and a lot of pain and uh, it, it, it works. And, and I may, there's a reason I'm, I'm here right now to tell you that. And I went through all that so I could talk to you, Catherine. So, so that's, that's uh, this is a circus man and uh, he has his life on the road and uh, perhaps has chosen a path that many people with larger brains would have looked at and said, that is absolutely ridiculous. Well, it's, uh, it's an extension of my priorities and my, um, my heart. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that I stuck to it. And, and so I encourage you to stick to your passion too, and to see it through serve others. I, uh, I feel like I was getting a little bit teary eyed during some of that. So was I. It's, yeah. it's a natural and, part of who I am. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it is actually part of what makes you so effective because I think it's like, it's a felt sense. And actually maybe this is like a, a good chance to, to like move into, I had talked to you about how I wanted to talk about showmanship, right? Like being a ringmaster, but like the passion <laughs> with which you're able to speak and communicate your mission, to communicate your beliefs, to communicate like I mean, I feel like we have just gotten like an, it, seeing the inside of Kevin's brain and how one can go from um, like bankruptcy and losing a home and feeling like, you know, living in a truck to being at this point, I mean, like sold out shows all over the country, right? Like this is, this is the brain that created that, right? This is like the passion. This is the, I, I love, I'm just going to keep saying stick to because I think that's like, before we started recording, I was <laughs> like, Kevin, like, yeah, like, ha- like, how do you do it? And I, you were just like, I just have stick to but I think what gives you the stick to is like this passion. But I'm curious, like talking about showmanship, like you are, you have a very strong presence. I think people are hearing that on the podcast right now, but I think it's like the volumes turned up when you've got your glittering top hat and your tails on <laughs> like a whole experience. And so I'm curious. And actually, this is a question. I have a client cat. She's like a renowned opera singer. And I had asked my Instagram, like if they had questions for a certain, like for Kevin, the circus owner. And she actually wanted to know, I think she feels very connected to other performers. And one of the things she was curious about was like, what percent of your success do you think is like the skill of the performance and the showmanship? And like, you know, that range, like the skill set versus the mindset that we've sort of been unpacking. I think that the one has to have some set of skill, uh, I suppose. I mean, I'm, I'm talking, I'm a producer, technically. I am seeking out artists regularly to be performers in the show. So are there things because of my aesthetic and my values that I'm looking for in a performer? Uh, and they need to have, uh, yes, they need to have a skill. I think that certainly at, at a level where uh, that I, I'm aspiring to have absolutely first class uh, elements here on the stage. But uh, well, let me use a, a singing metaphor. I mean, I can listen to uh, a singer with the clearest tone, the most extraordinary breath control, 
and uh, I can within 15 seconds uh, also totally fall asleep in a very bad way to that to that singing unless it's singing about something unless there's a, a clear why and a, and a passion a, a true desire to be there not just for themselves but to share their joy with an audience this whole thing is for the audience i'm not putting someone on display just uh, so they can sort of how to massage themselves in front of a crowd, if you will. Uh, I'm doing it, and it's you know there's a presentational quality to to this style of circus. There's not a fourth wall. We really are looking right at people in their eyes. It's very intimate yeah. space too. I mean, you couldn't avoid them if you tried. Um, so, if I put two candidates right alongside each other, and if they had uh, either identical skill level or even one was just not quite as skilled or experienced or honed as the other, but the one with the, the less shiny or perfected art had a fire inside their soul, a willingness to do whatever it takes to be with it and for it. Uh, this is not a glamorous life. It's an adventurous life, but uh, I don't know if your listeners know, but my particular show Everyone who's on the on the unit, there were maybe 15 of us touring together. Uh, there's a couple of people that are strictly backstage, technically, but all of the performers that are on the stage, they are swinging hammers to, to drive stakes. They are raising the tent. They are digging in mud. They're spraying out uh, sawdust. They're setting up chairs and the stage and the trim and the curtains, all of the things that physically need to be done to make the show happen. And in the case of Huntsville, just as we were putting up the tent, uh, a huge deluge of water came down on top of us. And we had uh, a tent that was sitting over a sea of mud. I cannot um, exaggerate that, but that was truly a sea of mud. So we all together digging and almost 200 bales of sawdust were laid out uh, over the inside of this small tent. And we, you know, within 24 hours of that mess received a, a crowd inside of that space. And in a way that I felt was fitting of the first class experience that I wish to deliver to people. And that happened and people were, we were laughing, we were sweating, but uh, we, were, uh, we were doing it together. Uh, a level of organization has been created here and know how about all the equipment um, that we were able to make that happen. And, and so for me, the exact skill level of someone is not as important as their passion and dedication, um, willingness to be open. Sometimes people who are too experienced in a field they often become uh, hard and inflexible yes and so flexibility is a tremendously important asset uh, for me here uh, so 
that might answer your question, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I think that she probably loved that you tied in a singing analogy with like breath control, yeah. but if oh, there's right. like no fire in it. Yeah. Yes. And, and like continuing on like this idea of showmanship, it's funny, actually, I have a business coach and her entire background was she would, she was a pitch artist in Walmart's. So like she, like before she became, she runs now, she'll do like $10 million this year in her business, but she used to go on the road and she would like sell slicers in Walmart. And it's just been really interesting. She was a theater major in school before she became a coach. And she talks about the experience of how important it was, like where you were at in your relationship with the audience. And if you weren't delivering a certain experience, like if, if on your side, right? Like if, if you were insecure, if something was happening for you, and I think this, this, like your audience is already there, but like, she was like, nobody would buy the slicers. Right. And so it was so interesting for her to think about the psychology of people and performance and showmanship. And like it, I was curious to talk to you about it because one of the things when this, I just saw your performance in Austin last week, it was a completely sold out tent. I like got teary eyed when I was there because the first time I had seen you, it was like the pandemic. And I think you guys had to like socially distance a lot. Not all the tickets were sold. And it was just so nice to see like this totally sold out tent. But what my experience that first time when I saw you last year, Kevin, was I didn't even know until intermission that the tent was not very full. And the reason I didn't know was because you transported my family to like a different world, right? Like I wasn't even looking around to like see what was happening in the tent. Like there was something about the, the way that you showed up on stage that like no one else, if they hadn't been, right? Like they were so attuned to you and to the performers that it just felt, it felt like a fully packed, huge tent. And like, that's magic. And so, I mean, like, I, I'm just curious from your perspective, like, like, how do you create that? Like, are you aware you create that? <laughs> I think magic is not a force. I think magic is an effect when a million tiny details are lovingly and fully managed and tended to when all of those things come together at the same time, I think that our breath has changed and, and uh, we may feel a transported uh, feeling like that. Uh, how I was feeling at that time when I stepped out on the stage, I'm, I'm sure that I was worried about X or Y or Z. I didn't know what was happening next to the, yes, this is a moment where contrary to the year before and, what I'd had enough experience uh, doing the circus in good times to feel like, okay, uh, if we do A, B, and C, we're going to eventually get D or we're going to get past this time. Uh, but still you have moments where there's, there's doubt. <clears throat> I suppose from long before, uh, maybe it was the circus that really drilled this in my head. This like, when you get up there on stage, you, you leave the stuff that you have bothering you or that is, not related to delivering joy to this audience outside. If you're doing, if you're doing that, you're bringing that crap with you along the way. You are not behaving as a professional. Uh, I, I really, sometimes we are human and we can't help sometimes, but let certain things, um, they just grab hold of us 
Uh, but I think it's something to stay in touch with and, and to sort of acknowledge if that's bothering me, I, you need to take a step away, breathe. Um, I want, I, I genuinely want, I believe that like I had done just one tent loaded at a time that you had never been in the tent when it was full. Maybe that was one of the things yeah. in my favor. You said that it wasn't, wasn't full and it's also a relatively small tent. Um, but I, I think that people deserve whether they're sitting in the back row or, uh, uh, or sitting in an empty tent. If there's just one person out there in the audience, uh, I'm showing up and we've done all these things and whether, whatever the margin is at, at that point, it doesn't matter that the excellence associated with that name, with that brand, that wherever and whenever and however we need to get through some moment, that we check our uh, ego and worries at the door. And when we're delivering that performance, it's just about those people right there. It's easier said than done. But I, I believe in my heart that that is, that's an essential um thing right. or philosophy but i'm like i'm so curious because like i'm a mindset coach and i work with people <laughs> with all kinds of like the way that they're thinking and how to continue to show up but i'm curious yeah. from your because your background is as a performer you're like a trained performer so like is there do you like step into an alter ego like because you're just like you just leave your worries at the door and i know everyone is like well how do you yeah, do that yeah, Kevin? Yeah. it's because <laughs> listen i mean i i when I would go to auditions when I was in, in New York back in the early days and I was trying to get on Broadway, I, I mean, I would literally would vomit sometimes before or after auditions. Or I would just be so worried, constantly in knots, my stomach constantly in knots. The only thing that seemed to give me release was when I was practicing singing, looking for new material, new songs that, that I connected with and that uh, I could somehow just, even just rehearsing them, even if they were, you know, I, I, I've I've tried to be the best singer that I could, but uh, I know that there are singers technically that are a million years light years ahead of what what I think uh, a beautiful voice and a clear tone uh, can be. But I think that I I have a message that I want to to share, and I happen to use my voice and use the circus to do that. And and that message is so important to me that that uh, if it's Maybe that's why I've turned to other performers to uh, to offer many of the colors in that kaleidoscope. In fact, I think that by myself, I personally don't think it's a, an interesting enough show that I would just do a show by myself. So this is, you know, enter the world of Kevin's mind here. I have fears and worries and that never goes away. It just, it's never gone. It will always be part of you. And, and don't, instead of thinking of that and saying, well, screw it, then I can't possibly do this. No, you just do it another thousand times and another thousand times and another thousand times. And you just keep getting back up and doing it again. And eventually, eventually you will be so tired that you can't fight yourself anymore and that the thing that you have to say is far more important than whether or not you are good enough like martha graham said it's not your job to decide whether you are good enough or not it's just your job to get out there and can do it to get out there and and do the thing and deliver the message that you're meant to do i, I say get off the stage too don't make it about you it doesn't mean you have to cut it down to 305 always like a, a, a hit song on the radio, but it, it, it definitely goes to about reframing. It's not about you. Exercise, do your thing uh, to get your body in shape, to get your breath moving, to, to get yourself in prime condition. But then 
get out there and do the performance. Say the lines and get off the stage and do it again and again and again and again and again. I'm, any salesperson is going to know the same thing here. There's going to be all these people going to say no to you, no to you, no to you, no to you. You just have to keep going. And eventually, when you get that one and that another one and that another one, each one of those is going to be another little boost to move you forward down the track. You take strength from that. And pretty soon, people are going to be looking at you saying, how did you do all this stuff? And if you really did do the stuff, maybe you don't need to tell them. Maybe it's better not to say anything. Because if they found out that all they needed to do was to repeat it over and over and over and over again, maybe they would do it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to keep others from being successful. I wish to be an encouraging force, but uh, it is absolutely true. Anyone can go and make their own circus. Anyone can go and make their own product or, 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 or service. I, I truly believe that it's how much pain are you willing to endure uh, to get there? How important is it that you are successful? And you got to identify what is success. Yes, we're constantly reevaluating what that is specifically, but the clearer your goal, just like the clearer, what is the thing I want to let these people in the audience know? And this little script at the top and the bottom, I talk about my, my dreams and my dad. And, and then I, and then I show them the circus and that, actually gives meaning to uh, both the top and at the bottom where I say we're all, we work together to, to make this thing happen. This all came from repetition, repetition, getting back up after being knocked down over and over and over again. So I, I don't say that to be, the business is, it's not meant for the, the faint of heart. People who are going to accomplish great things. And I don't think like you go out to the market and say, you know, I'm going to make an okay product. I'm going to make a widget that's pretty good, you know, and it's going to be just sort of an average price. And uh, I don't want to offend anyone with this thing. So uh, we won't really take a stand on anything like this. No, people love you for uh, the things that maybe others hate you for. Yeah. Oh, I love, I, I like talk all the time. I'm just like, you've got to just be who you are and yes. be okay with other people hating you yes, <laughs> because when you're at least yourself, <laughs> then you know that the people that love and accept you love and accept you rather than some like weird funhouse mirror version of something you're presenting to, because you think that that's what you need to be like loved or accepted. Oh my gosh. So good. All right, I'm trying to think. We have covered so much ground. You <laughs> you know what? I have one more. I have pop. one more question. I have one more question. Okay. I so going back to like the showmanship piece. Another thing that I noticed that you guys will do is that if you don't get the applause that you want from the audience, I don't think you guys did it this round, but like the first one, like if we weren't responding the way you wanted us to, you made us do it again. Oh, which, what, which, what moment are you talking about? Actually? Oh, it's just like are the first somewhere? show I went to of yours. It was like, we sort of like clapped, but we didn't clap enough. And you like made us clap again. Part of me thinks that is embarrassed to think that I don't oh, want to really? force people into, I think to it's like, no, there was way. like, and there was a, there was a Cuban guy last year huh? that was like amazing. Uh -huh. And he didn't like, he didn't like the amount of clapping that we did for him the first time. And then he made us clap again. All right. Well, th there's a dialogue with the audience, whether are there are words or not. It is a constant dialogue. And, and of course, performers want uh, applause and affirmation, don't we all? 
uh, I, I think that applauding and stomping your feet or participating yeah. is certainly something that I, I want to encourage. I want people to feel like they're literally part of the circus and that might encourage, because when also when you're in a house that's filled with people, you're just, there's a buoyancy uh, because you're surrounded by people who are also clapping. So that just is like exponentially just keeps everyone there. When you're alone, yeah. sometimes you need to be given permission. Sometimes you need to use the music or the announcement. I mean, that's why often the ringmaster's announcing you're letting people know that this thing that they're about to see or that they did, they just saw is, or was amazing. Um, People don't always know that. And you think that they automatically should, you know, sometimes also uh, the people will react with uh, extraordinary uh, mouths agape at like a trick that I know is so super simple. And then other things that took this person like 20 years to do, they're like, eh, it's all right. So, but that goes back to, you know, whether it was hard or not, it's of less importance to me than am I delivering joy? Am I, am I, am I creating goosebumps? So I'm looking at the things that happen. I think that if someone gets upset at the audience that they're not clapping loud enough and uh, Oh no 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 it like wasn't upset. Selfish- it wasn't upset, okay. Kevin. I think like the reason why I was asking was because I coach a lot of people and they feel like when they don't get the response they want, they're super down on themselves. Ah. But what I observed in you and this other performer that night was like there was nothing. It wasn't like we didn't clap as hard. And then it was like about you, right? It was like, it seemed like you guys were doing something to raise the level of the energy of the audience. It seemed like an energy thing. And I was just kind of curious about it because I like, it's interesting because I coach a lot of people who like, they work with people online. And so they don't have that feedback the way that you have the feedback with the audience. Like, and so what they're left with, this is why I think mindset is so important for online entrepreneurs is they're left with the terror inside of their brain of what they think is happening. Like online, like when people are watching their Instagram stories where you have real time feedback. But what I think was so interesting in that show was like, it wasn't like you were mad at the audience or the Cuban guy was mad at the audience. It was just like, no, like we're that good. You guys are going to have to do it again. Right. And I, I'm like always talking to people about like, you have to be so short up, like the armor of you and the confidence of you and what you're delivering that like that you could receive something that you didn't think was that like that, that you didn't think got the response that like. And, and that you would be like, wait, you guys are obviously confused. That was amazing versus like quitting or like, you know, just being like, well, nobody wants me and I'm going to like shrink now. Like it, it, it was almost like I could just tell that you guys were like, yeah, something there's, I don't know if it's an alter. I'm not a performer, but it was just something that I observed. That, like, <laughs> you guys are able to create this alchemy with the audience. And to your point, I know enough because my coach was in theater. I know about the fourth wall and, but there's not right. Like, so you guys are interacting with the audience. You're, and it seems like, I don't know, this, I don't know, a, a magical alchemy that happens when you're able to like engage in a dialogue with the audience to sort of like raise the vibration of what's happening in the performance. That makes sense. I absolutely agree with you about that that dialogue and that magic is indeed what we are constantly striving to achieve and every audience is going to be organically different. Uh, you can have the same number of bodies, uh, but they're going to react different. The the what happened in their day, the news cycle, yeah. the so many factors, the weather. 
uh, if it's is it hot in there or are people comfortable? And and so their voices are definitely a, a constantly changing things. And there may be something we do that's different. Every performance is therefore going to be different the way we're reacting to their response or lack thereof, like you're talking about. Um, I think that staying in touch with that and, and keeping it real. I mean, my job as the ringmaster, ever since I started wearing the rhinestones, it's kind of like it's like a cheerleader at rhinestones. It's really what you are. Uh, that's where it started on Ringling, and it was very big and broad. It's literally an arena-sized space. So uh, I actually had many, many experiences between then and now where I had to learn, to unlearn maybe, or to relearn, because being right next to people, you they can look you in the eye, and you're right there with them. Uh, using your voice in the same way this giant booming uh, bathtub of an arena uh well, if you're doing the same thing in front of people that are standing right next to you, you're going to, instead of drawing right. them into you, right. you're just going to blow them away and, you, and they're going to be like, oh, I can't, I can't take this energy. <laughs> this, is, this guy's yelling at me, you know, and, and truly, um, if, if you refocus, which I had to, had to learn on uh, what is the experience or what is the message of the thing I specifically want them to feel or, or, or to do at this moment. But whether it be clap or to, to shut up or uh, to, to listen, adjusting those dynamics of what I'm using and actually paying attention yeah. to what the audience is doing. I think this is maybe the most important part of this, this whole point that you're bringing up here is that I have an idea of what I like at the circus. I have an idea of uh, what people are going to like, but then you actually put it on its feet and uh, you try it a few times. You start to see, well, that's, sucks that's like a lead balloon uh you're not i want them to smile i want them to clap i want i want to impart joy or excitement at at uh, every possible opportunity um so if something's not working i i learned that by looking at them yeah what are they doing are they shifting in their seats because it's too loud or, or this is boring or, or have all the children run out of the tent because this thing is going on too long listen to that stuff I mean, your, your, your idea of what you want to say or how you want to say it, you can't be so selfish or live inside of a bubble as to think that, I mean, first of all, that, that you don't know that all, all, no matter how smart you are, I don't, I think that you, you need to pay attention to the people that you are sharing this with. And again, if you, if you put them first and pay attention to that, you've got to do your homework beforehand or it's a constant uh, homework about staying in touch with that you are good that you have some wonderful important work to do on this earth uh, so uh, i don't think the doubts entirely ever go away but reaffirming yourself and your health and your purpose uh those are sort of bedrock elements and you've just got to go into the fire about uh, you know the performance uh with an open mind still you have instincts and you have a plan but be willing to change that because in the end if your desire is truly to, to to deliver this message or this experience if the tactics you initially thought you were going to use don't end up working you can change them and you you can arrive at the place the goal is more important than right. doing yes. it your way yes oh yeah so good. So, oh my gosh. I love it. Kevin, yeah. I am just so grateful for your time today. It has been such a joy you know. to connect with you. I, you. I know I said I only had one more question, but I guess I actually technically have two more, but I think they're small ones. One is, 
So I coach employees who are moving into entrepreneurship. I feel like they have so many nuggets that they've gotten today, but like, would you, is there anything else that you would like parting wisdom if you were to go back? I don't know, maybe talk to Kevin from, what was this, 2014 or whenever it was that you made the transition? Oh like, <laughs> like what's one, one piece of wisdom that you would want to leave people with? Well, um, um, I, I think about that and, and I truly just go back to, you know, uh, there's going to be, there's going to come a point where you're not, you're not here anymore. Yeah. Um, that thing is, it's, it's something that can make you just go, Oh, no, uh, I, think it's, really I think it's just... like a very useful thing, like every morning to wake up. Incredibly. I remember when I, because I, I coach a lot of people that are in like, they're successful in corporate and they're like so attached to that, that like they have this dream in their soul, but their like brain is telling them like, don't leave it. People are going to think it's silly, like whatever the thing is. And it's like, no, 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 like you're going to die someday. And I remember it was like, <laughs> for me, the big ch change was I after I had my daughter and I was like, wait a second, like I'm going to tell her to live her dreams. And I'm like working in this job that I freaking hate, like just like telling myself that I can't do this other thing. And I think that for me was just like, just to recognize how out of integrity I was with myself and what I wanted to believe was true about the world. And so I think whether it's like, I don't know, I think you've talked so much about like living within your values, having a vision, like being willing to build your resilience, right? To just be willing to keep getting back up and to recognize that like we have a finite period on this earth. Like let's make it count. Yes. So do the thing. Do the thing. It's very do good part thing. of wisdom. I love yes. it. Yes. And then do the thing. And then like, I want to know, um, people, everyone's going to be like obsessed and they're going to want to know, like, how do we <laughs> go see your circus? How do we stay connected? Uh, like, where can people come find you? Please. Um, venardoscircus.com, which is V-E-N-A-R-D-O-S circus, C-I-R-C-U-S.com. If you have trouble spelling that, uh, liveyourcircusdream.com, liveyourcircusdream, singular, dot com and uh, or just to google kevin circus you're gonna see venardos up there somewhere if uh, our ad spend is doing what it should uh <laughs> there's a lot of organic stuff out there too i mean we we spend a lot on advertising but uh but i think that there's a lot of press that you'll find and uh we're on instagram and facebook and we do the things there if you wanted to talk to me uh i mean i I'm monitoring always the, the Facebook messenger and you can send an email to uh, info at venardocircus.com. I monitor that one all the time too. Um, I love people who are passionate and I also love finding ways to do, uh, to, to work together with, uh, you know, I, where we park the circus often is, is uh, on, uh, you know, the property of some mom and pop business mom and pop doesn't mean that they're a disorganized and uh, bumpkin people. I'm talking about someone who is, uh, you know, like we're, like that place in, uh, where we go in bucks in Buda. Uh, this is South of Austin there. This is uh, like a bar and grill that has some green space next to it. Yeah. And we park the circus there and um, we spend all the money that we do ordinarily advertising for the thing. And we end up bringing, 
tons of people uh, who would not ordinarily go to the venue who then end up going and spending money at the at the bar and grill in this case with you know double fisting beers and chicken sandwiches so <laughs> in that way we make uh, partnerships uh, partnerships sometimes are things like uh, I'm giving you money or you're going to give me money. No, we're going to make each other wealthier by uh, building community together. Sure. And that definitely comes down to a bottom line of the people we work with make, make uh, their revenues go up. Yeah. So, and then also that it lets the, some of the expenses for the circus go down. So this is like synergy in this way. Uh, Love so it. I definitely people that come and ask about how does that work? So yeah, or, well, uh, I'm curious, actually, so, you saying that if you had a wish list, are there any like venues like in certain towns or places? Because you're like, you've got a captive audience that's very emotionally invested in your right success. On. So like, yeah. do, you, do you want to put it out on the horn right now that you're looking? Thank for you. Anything? Yes. I mean, we're, we're always looking. And, you know, as, as you go, my, my real dream is to have a solid uh, tour, which there's, thousands of cities across the country and they don't need to be big. We just need to be able to access a real community. So we can do that in a place like Atlanta, you can play two or three different locations and access communities in those specific areas. But we, we look for, um, business owners. Sometimes it's on the city level, uh, you know, like a, we, in St. Augustine, there's a county-owned venue called the St. Augustine Amphitheater, and we've had a deal with them for years. Uh, we're part of driving foot traffic uh, as part of their holiday season. That's when we do the thing. Uh, but a, lo- a lot of times, uh, we're also after places where we're creating a tradition in a, not necessarily a tourist town, uh, where there's a business owner whose who's model is, is driven by foot traffic. They want people to come there to buy their thing or do their thing. And so placing the circus there in, in such a way, we have lots of expenses at the circus. Uh, you could go the route where you're paying rent, uh, but we're often looking for a place where the, our partner sees value in our presence. And there, having like, you're our- going to drive a lot of traffic and those people oh, are going to yeah. go eat at like the bar or the restaurant. So like, so the yeah. ask would be like, if anyone listening either owns a space like that, Right. Or if they have like a family member that owns it, or if you know somebody that owns it, that would like this sort of (laughs) setup, you should definitely reach out to Kevin because his circus is delightful. Yes. If you are truly invested in building community and you want to create a a tradition that's founded in something good, not just in doing it over and over again, because that's the way we always did it. uh, And you want to work with some absolutely amazing people. Yeah. uh, We would love to hear about you because we feel the same way about the people we work with. And uh, so I look forward to meeting any of you who might uh, reach I out. I love it. And then so this, this episode is going to go live, I think, probably like early November. Where are you guys going to be over the next couple of months? November, December, January? In early November, we'll, we'll be in, uh, we'll be, there'll be probably, we're going to be in Winter Garden, Florida. Uh, and then we'll also be in, later on in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. So okay. two of those venues there. Florida is so full of places and it's good to be in the wintertime. Uh, nice. We're all over the country. Yeah, okay. Check out the website, VernardoCircus.com. Everybody, yeah. Go to the website. The follow tour. them on Instagram. They have really good content. <laughs> your kids will love it. My kids, like, they love to watch your Instagram. And I just want to say, Yay. I have gotten more cred from having you on my podcast. My kids, like, <laughs> don't care at all about my podcast. They don't care about my business. But when I was like, mommy's talking to the ringmaster, I, I've nice. got a lot of... Yeah. So thank you, Kevin, for coming on my podcast so I can get, gain more uh-huh. credibility with my children. Everybody. I do what I can. It's a pleasure. <laughs> thank you for, uh, for inviting me to this conversation. I'm grateful to talk it. with someone as passionate as you. 
I love it. Thank you so much for your time. And everybody go find Kevin.